Hello, welcome back to another podcast episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin. Howdy. Hey. Good to see you. Good to see you. You've been sick. I'm glad that you're better. <laughs> and far away. Yes. On the other Even side of better. the desk. Even better. Uh, in fact, you you might be a little... Could, could you step outside maybe and... Yeah, and we need we need to let everybody know that if they hear your Harley later in the episode, you yeah. want to explain your Harley? Yeah, we're having some work done on the church, and so if you hear what sounds like a Harley in the background, uh, it's probably not. So. <laughs> yeah, when they tell Russ to show up in a biker outfit, he wears the spandex shorts and the tight shirt, right? You don't wear the leather. <laughs> you know, there are some things that we are not supposed to talk about on this show. <laughs> Do you ever you ever cycle? I make it a habit not to. Yeah. <laughs> now I have this vision of you pulling up to reporters and falling over. <laughs> not I. Not, not I. I. Our right. fearless leader. Uh, well, Gavin uh, and listener, I think uh, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. If you want to find that, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. I'm going to open us in prayer and ask Gavin to uh, read those verses for us. Are you ready? Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Lord, we thank you for today. What a beautiful day you've given us this morning. Um, thank you for the opportunity to open your word and uh, to be able to just discuss what your word has to say for us as your word is true and it guides us in your truth. Uh, you sanctify us by your truth. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the beautiful promises that we have in your word and for your love and grace toward us. Lord, help us to be good stewards of your word with our lives, with our lips, uh, with our minds, uh, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified. Father, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Yeah, um, just a great, uh, a great passage. They they all are, but I, I like the um, the heading there on the ESV says, "Put on the new self," and that new self begins with Christ. All right. Yeah. Well, let let's just start with the first word there. I like it. If okay, it's a big word. It is. Why is that important? Well, it's a transition. Uh, you know, from from what he's been discussing. Up to this point, uh, it could be therefore, uh, it could be a but, you know, the day in, uh, in, the, in the Greek. But then if, if these other things are true, if you've been raised with Christ. So, so I tell people, you know, I, I think that's maybe the biggest question of all is where do you stand with Christ Jesus? Who do you say that he is? Yeah. So, you know, if you've been crucified and raised in him and, and with him, then you are a new creation. Um, that's why, you know, I do not believe you can lose your salvation, but I think you need to test yourself to see if Christ is in you. I think you need to, you know, kind of be aware of the fruit that you should bear. Right. Um, you know, you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears for sure. Um, and, and, look and see if you're bearing the fruit of the spirit living inside of you. If you're a new creation, if you have a different wanter, if God is working in you. So, um, if these things have happened, if, you know, again, that test yourself, then I think you, you, you so let's, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, you have a new heart in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. The earth should grow straight. The things of earth 
should grow strangely dim. Mm. You have a new affection and a, and a new telos. We've, ta- we've talked about that a lot. A new purpose, a new focus, a new goal. And, and you should be seeking the things that are above, right? Yeah, there, there should be um, new desires, though I don't know that we all get there immediately. I, nope, I think, you, don't, you don't. I think it's a slower process for some than for others. Well, that's what John Owen says in that here and what I live here and would I die here on what I dwell in my thoughts and affections. And, and he talks about to the withering and consumption of all the pain and beauties here below until they become unto me a dead and deformed thing, no way meet for affection and embrace. It's, it's the dwelling on the things above. It is the contemplating the glory of Christ. It is the intimacy that you share with him, getting to know him better where he becomes beautiful and he becomes more precious to you than the things that you once held dear in this life. When, when Christ becomes more important than anything here and you count everything in this world to be rubbish compared to the surpassing value of knowing him. Right. You know, all the things that you've accomplished, everything that is a good gift, everything that is meaningful and, and, and enjoyable to you becomes by comparison nothing. It becomes rubbish, what Paul calls dung, scubalon. Yeah, I, I always go to my great-grandfather. I remember as a very young boy, uh, my great-grandfather... Um, who, who passed away when I was fairly young, but I remember the conversation that he was having around the dinner table and he was talking about when he quit smoking and it was literally, um, he rolled down the window, he threw his cigarette pack out and he never smoked again. Well, that's amazing because I've never been a smoker. So I've never had to wrestle with the addiction of nicotine, but most people I know, um, that are able to overcome that addiction, it is much slower. I don't know many that can literally just throw the pack away. Well, in a similar way, uh, the things that we desire that are of this world that are not of Christ, oftentimes, though we become new creations in Christ, the desires for the things of this world oftentimes don't just immediately vanish. But I have known some where their transformation was fairly sudden and and fairly dramatic. Yeah, there's no one, though, that goes from, you know, struggling to perfection. Right, right, right. You know, uh, you know, and we could talk, maybe one of these episodes, we talk about the various um, paradigms of sanctification, the various understandings and, and uh, the, you know, the ideas behind these various understandings uh, and theories of sanctification. Like progressive and, and that type of stuff. Is well, that what you're talking about? Well, you have the Keswick view of sanctification. You have, you know, the Chafarian view. You have your, you know, Pentecostal view. You have your reform view, various views of sanctification. So um, some b- people believe that you can be perfect. And then the Wesleyan view defines perfection as something, you know, different, slightly different. It's nuanced. So that second indwelling, uh, the, the second, you know, uh, work of grace in your life can make you perfect uh, in some sense, but not in the perfect sense, but sort of in the perfect sense, but not really. Sounds you know, thoroughly confusing. No, no. It, he makes it much more understandable than that. But the, uh, but the idea that that's, that's foolishness. There are some, so here's how I view it. In, when you're saved, there are some things that God will take away from you right? That there's nothing inside of you that responds to it anymore. I don't know whether it's drug addiction or alcohol or women or whatever, but, and this may be a little much for our listeners. And maybe if you have kids in the car, you, you, you know, you edit this, but somebody may say, you know, I I was a, a heavy drinker and I was ruining my family and I got saved and right with Jesus and threw the alcohol away and never had a desire for it again. People could walk up to me, tempt me with it, drink in front of me. I, it made me disgusted even to think about having a sip of alcohol. It was totally gone forever. And and there are some people that say, you know, you know, I, I struggled with a woman. And, and I go, okay, so 
if God has removed that fr- from you, do you look at women and men that are not your spouse the same? Or is there still an attraction, something inside of you that responds? As Paul would say, it is no longer I, but the sin that dwells in me. Something inside of me still right. responds and is tempted by that woman. Or maybe it's the alcohol again. Maybe maybe it's that person that says, listen, I put it down, but it's it's the sin that doth so easily beset me. It's something that I probably will struggle with the rest of my life. God could take it away in a moment, and that is a reality. God yeah, does, in yeah. fact, take some. But I'm sorry, there is no one that has ever been saved that is perfect. Right. Jesus was not saved. So he he was perfect, but he didn't require salvation in the sense that we do, right? Um, and so there's no one that has ever been saved that has then subsequently become perfect. Well, in a way to kind of look at it is when, when the Hebrew people were let out of Egypt, uh, they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. Right. And, and so in a similar way, you, you may be over this addiction, but that addiction may still have a hold on you. Maybe, but yeah, again, maybe, and, maybe. and I want to, I'm going to be clear. God does set somebody apps, some, some people absolutely free from some things yeah. and you should be different than you were before you were saved. There is a, you should be progressively being sanctified and yet, and yet every one of us, you know, even when God allows you, you know, it's the passe non bacari and passe bacari, it is possible not to sin. When you're saved, it is possible not to be perfect, but it is possible in that moment not to sin. The spirit can work inside of you. Um, and, and there's, you can reject that sin. And yet, every single person that has been saved will deal with temptation in their life. Yes. And Paul does not seem to have overcome every temptation. Those things I don't want to do, I keep doing. Right. You know, and and I understand the various views of Romans 7, and some people think it wasn't even Paul that was speaking. It was, you know, him speaking as if another person. I think that is the redeemed Paul that's speaking there, and he's saying, listen. He's talking about the, the, the issues of the flesh. Yeah, the issues of the flesh, the battle that goes on inside any saved person we know about. And then he would say in Philippians that he presses toward the goal. You know, oh, yeah, it, yeah. It's not yeah. that he's achieved yeah. the goal, but he's pressing toward oh, yeah. the goal. That's all of our call is to press toward the goal. Right. It's, and again, it's not that balancing act. It's that striving for God and his glory yeah. and uh, pressing on. You're, you're running headlong. It's Again, it is the teleological understanding for me of the ethic. You're just Your purpose is God. Your lighthouse is God. Everything that helps you get there, you want everything that doesn't and hinders your walk like sin you want to lay it down and run the race that's set before you strive all right so so what are the things that are above that we are to seek okay so so i think that's the next part and and you want to read that the very next part of verse one yeah seek the things that are above where christ is seated at the right hand of god okay why is that in there i i think that's in there for a very particular reason what is so? There are some people that so say, "Oh, I can't wait to get to heaven and see the street of gold, clear gold." What is that even like? I can't wait to get to heaven and see gates of a single pearl. I mean, that's gonna that's got to be amazing and spectacular. And then they hear some of the parameters and dimensions and stuff of the new heaven and the new earth, and they're all excited and worked up. I I don't think that's the point. I, I think even of John fourteen, where he says, you know. And when I come, I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Like, that that's the joy of heaven or the new earth or whatever. The joy of heaven is that we'll be with Christ. Yeah. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we will be, we will experience them. It'll be that beatific vision to, to be able to apprehend them directly, face to face, one we'll day. See him as he is. Oh, and we'll have the eyes to be able to do it without dying. Right. That's something that none of us can really fathom. Right. It's too high and too lofty for us to comprehend. 
Yeah. And, 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 and I don't know if this is a good comparison, but you know, if, if my wife talks about going somewhere, I have preferences, you know, Hey, you want to go to the beach or you want to go to Disney world or you want to go to, you know, your parents' place or my parents' place, or you, you know, where, where do you want to go and spend some time together? And while the place is kind of a sidebar, that'd be nice. Mm. I mean, it would be, I think it would be nice to see a street of gold clear that, you know, I mean, that, that'd be okay. It'd be pretty cool. That'd be all right. But it's nowhere near what it's like to spend that time with Christ as, as it is like where, where my wife, you know, you want to go here, there or anywhere. This is a little tacky, a little mushy, but as long as I'm with you, I'm good. Yeah. There's a, actually a song that talks about that. Uh, and I forget the name of the song, but you know, the, the, the singer is, is singing like, you know, he's, people are showing him like David and Paul and Timothy and, but I want to see Jesus. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, I, I think you know that's the key. And the illustration I always give, and again, this is this is syrupy on on high dose today. But uh, um, you know, in my at, at my wedding, just to see the bridesmaids come down, my sister, you know, sister in law, friends of Julie's and stuff, and you go, okay, you know, they they look great and everything else, and they're nice, and I'm glad that they're here and wonderful in it. But when that door opens up and you see your bride, you're it just that's breathtaking. Your, your, yeah, it's your affection, your attention. Everything is focused there. That's what heaven will be like. And I think every one of us there won't be jealousy. Well, why aren't you paying more attention to me, Russ? You know, it'll just be wow. This is good. And maybe I remember we'll, thinking that when when I saw Christy, I remember going wow. Yeah, you know. And oh, I, yeah. I, th- I think most grooms that that I've been around when they see their bride, assuming that they haven't. Uh, you know, inadvertently or or on purpose, seeing them in advance in the dress, made up. If that hasn't happened, that's most grooms' first reaction. Yeah, that I've been around. Right, and so then, and then when they opened the door and Julie saw me, she was like, "Oh no, oh wh- no!" <laughs> but I did, I did catch her, and and we'd got in front of the minister. I, I wasn't going to go there. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> you know, it's funny we're talking about this. I'm actually, I have the honor of of performing the wedding ceremony for my niece and the guy that I coached football years and years ago. I think he's the fifth victim. I mean, the fifth former football player uh, that I've had the opportunity to perform a ceremony for. I just think it's really cool, and it's my niece. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, pretty cool. Very and nice. I know that, that uh, he'll stand there, and when he sees her, uh, I know it's going to be a wow moment for him. And Very it should nice. be. Yeah. Because I I think whether or not we can actually speak, and I love the song I Can Only Imagine, because he talks about whether or not we'll be able to speak in heaven. I I think if we are able to speak in heaven, we'll we'll be speechless at the beauty and glory of of Christ. Right. Romans Romans 3 indicates that at least at that moment when we first encounter that we will be made mute before him. We we won't give an excuse for anything. We we will be found guilty, and then his grace will overwhelm us. Uh, if we are in Christ. Yeah. So, I, it, yeah, it, it's just going to be spectacular and amazing. Back so this is what we're to seek, the things above. Yeah, you are to set your eyes squarely on God through his word. So it's not just this arbitrary God of your making. It's not some you know golden calf that you're seeking after, the God. And, and I love this. I, um, God kind of showed this to me through his word over time. It's not like some revelation or anything, but in his word. The God who is is always better than the God we create. The yeah. God who is is always better than the God we create. That's good. So find the God in his word, according to his word, and seek him. Seek intimacy with him by the power of his spirit, revealing things to you through his word, and then get to know him well uh, and, and such, you dwell on his glory. Yeah. 
Man, that's good. Think about it deeply and get excited about them. Set your, and then and then as you grow to where you can barely keep your feet on the ground, you barely can focus on the things of this world because you're so excited to go there. Then then he says, do you love me? And you're like, oh, I love you. You know I love you. I'm ready. Now feed my sheep. Take care of the people around you. Encourage them to get to know me. Drag some of them you know, to, to, to find me. And again, the spirit has to do that, that work. Absolutely. But, but God uses the means of the proclamation of his word to the people around us. So, so proclaim and, and be winsome. So I was reading, uh, I'm reading a book called the discipline of grace by Jerry Bridges. Oh yeah. And in this uh, last chapter that I read listener, I, I'm going somewhere with this. He actually talked about the chapter is talking about preaching the gospel to yourself and uh, and so one of the ways that we can uh, seek the things that are above is to be reminded and to remind ourselves through God's word of the gospel. Uh, I think that uh, that is a, a powerful way to be reminded of God's love for us and the uh, and the beauty of Christ. Okay, so so I don't want to make love uh, about what can you do for me, right? It's not. It's much more than that, right? So it's, and I think we sometimes get that confused, but I will tell you, so I was not feeling well. That's why we didn't get those episodes out. I was really, really sick. And, um, and my wife had to just do kind of everything, including what I usually do on church days. You know, she didn't preach or anything, but she did some of the things that, you know, I, I usually am doing on, on those church days and, um, just was pretty amazing. Just a sweet, loving wife who stayed well enough away that, you know, if, if I was contagious, she wasn't going to get it, but just sweet. And, and I just thought, wow. What a great and wonderful wife. And just meditate on how, how thoughtful and caring and, and you know, helpful she was. Then pause. Preach the gospel to yourself. Sit there and remember the things that you did that were an affront to God in your unsafe state or even the things that you do now yeah. as an act of rebellion against the God. And think of the great love that he has for you. That when you were sick and weak and miserable and wretched and a sinner, he died for you. He demonstrates his love for you and that he set Christ to die for you. Amen. And and it doesn't give you any grounds to boast, but it does give you an opportunity to say, wow, what an awesome Savior we serve. Yeah. That leads to worship. So good theology always leads to doxology. And maybe let me take a, a few steps backwards because because Russ is usually one that lays out what we're going to talk about. And today I just said I wanted to talk about this because um, I, I had two long conversations with people that talked about youth groups anymore. And and both of them seemed a little bit aware, if not frustrated, at least aware that um, that youth are being won by video games and 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 you know hanging out with their friends and stuff like that and by one i just mean to the church not to christ so that's not salvific it's just ecclesiology bad ecclesiology <laughs> um, so so anyways but it's it's um, and and even when the parents finally go oh my kid can't wait to go to church and we're so excited cuz the youth group is growing and everything's wonderful it seems like people still have their eyes set on the on the ground right on the things of earth on the things of their life and 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 joy is a big part of the Christian life. So I don't want to make it mutually exclusive. It's, you know, enjoy yourself or, or follow after Jesus. No, 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 no. Joy is a, a a massive, integral, essential, foundational part of the Christian life. Uh, it, it, the fruit of the spirit is love. And I forget what the second one is, but joy. It's joy. How right? do you spell that? Uh, <laughs> I always I always laugh when, when you go, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Deep deep, deep down in, in my heart. In the cockles yeah, of my heart. Yeah, yeah, where you cannot find it. I'm so 
joyful that I've hidden it just so far down in my heart. Yeah, I can't express. Yeah, Eeyore. how joyful I am. <laughs> so, so, um, so, so one was that, that that we have kids that now are setting their eyes on things of earth and we're celebrating it, and then even adults in the churches today, um, we're not getting excited as much on about God and the things above as we are as God, the cosmic bellhop that can fix the things on earth. Right. And we've set our eyes on our relationships, our finances, our uh, friendships, um, our children, our success. And, and God is the cosmic bellhop to give us everything we want now. I don't, and again, it's not an either or. It's not that God doesn't bless some people very well in this life. It's that everything in this life is given to us to, to direct our attention and our affection to him. Yeah. So that's 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. That you, you've been enriched in every way to give to others that through your giving, they'll, they'll glorify God. It, everything that we have is to take us back to God for from him and through him and to him are all things. And we take those gifts from God and we're like Gomer in Hosea. We use the gifts of God to cheat on God, to walk away from him. And he, again, he becomes a cosmic bellhop. He becomes a glorified babysitter in Santa Claus. We rob from God. Ooh, you're throwing down and I totally agree. Yeah. And, and, and I'm as guilty as anybody. Mm. So, um, yeah, when, when we talk about you're going to dwell in your thoughts and affections to the withering and consumption of everything here below. So, um, let's, let's keep, uh, you, you want to wrap it up and. Yeah, let's come back to this in tomorrow's episode. Okay. All right, listener, thanks for joining. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. God bless.